Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Jennifer Bourne leverages her graphic design, web design, and copywriting background in both her full-time business and in her side hustle. She started her primary business, a creative service agency, 17 years ago, and she began her side hustle running courses and workshops five years ago. Here today to talk side hustles, small businesses, family, and actually a little bit of uh, interesting stuff now that's happening is Jennifer Bourne. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, there's like a lot of fascinating stuff that's happening with you that I think is super unusual for any guest that we've ever had on the show. But before we get into that, why don't you give us just like a minute or so about your background and kind of what got you to the point that you're at now? Well, I grew up thinking I wanted to be a teacher, but I had parents that said teachers don't make enough money. So then I decided I was going to be just like my dad and go into electrical engineering. But then I found that was really boring and changed my major to graphic design. And I fell in love with the creative industry. So I've always been a designer my entire career. I was in-house when I first got started at a publishing company and then a PR firm. And then I started my own design agency. I freelanced. I hired my husband full-time. We grew a team. We went back to me freelancing. Uh, And it's been a wild journey to have my business support every stage of life that my family has been in because I did start my business pregnant with a two-year-old. And now I have a junior in high school and a sophomore in college. But along the way, I always went back to wishing that I had gone into teaching. And going into courses and memberships as a side hustle to my service business allowed me to do that, but also share everything I learned in my business along the way and help people build better businesses that support the kind of life they want to live. Yeah. uh, A couple of clarifying things. First, uh, I'm very disappointed that you said electrical engineering was, was boring because I'm an electrical engineer uh, I'm going to tell you, I the boys that. weren't nice to me. <laughs> my grades were better. And when you're 17 or 18 and the people in your classes aren't nice to you because you're smarter, I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, clearly that's why they weren't nice to you because you were way smarter than them. So I think they had a little bit of reflection they needed to do. The other thing you just said is you were my pregnant with a two- too. <laughs> you, you said you were pregnant with a two-year-old. I want to make sure I clarify that. You weren't pregnant with a two-year-old. You were pregnant with your second child. And um, had a two-year-old. <laughs> and had a two-year-old. Okay, that's that's what it was. Pregnant and with a two-year-old yes. uh, to start your business. Okay, so so I got to ask, so you, you launched it in this thing. You've been doing it for quite some time. Was this yeah. your first time doing an entrepreneurial thing or did you do anything entrepreneurial as a kid or were there entrepreneurs in the family? Well, 
I don't know if you could have made it through the 80s and 90s in school without having some kind of side hustle selling candy <laughs> at school. <laughs> Boom. I mean, who didn't do that, right? Yeah, Everybody yeah. I know has that story. But from lemonade stands to hitting the you know little liquor store on the corner to buy candy on the way to school to sell it at school, um, that was my only real... Uh, foray. I didn't know anybody that owned a business. I didn't know anybody that freelanced. Even getting my degree in design, everybody I knew took jobs. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second child that my husband, who uh, was in the fire department at the time and was doing the primary child care, uh, had said, "Don't, don't people that do what you do do it for themselves or work at home. Can't you do that too? I think maybe we should look at doing that. (laughs) And and I thought, oh, I think I could do that. And he went and got my business license and he named my business. And he was like, you're doing this, Jen. (laughs) He he kind of forced the issue, right? Like, even if you don't want to do it, you're doing it because I got it all set up for you. So what's interesting is, is so many entrepreneurs on this podcast I've talked to about this, the candy bar arbitrage growing up oh in school, there's like a very high correlation between folks that did that and become entrepreneurs later in life. Um, so how is it yeah. that you uh, ran that? How did you avoid uh, getting squashed by teachers? Because uh, I think almost all of us had to avoid the gaze of teachers because this wasn't really entirely allowed in most schools. Oh, and I had to walk way out of the way before school to go to that liquor store to get that candy, which crossed streets I was definitely not allowed to cross. Nice. (laughs) So I had a friend that I walked to school with and we would just tell my mom, oh, we just like to get to school early so we can hang out with our friends before school. And sometimes we would see our parents driving down the street that we were walking on to go to that liquor store and we'd dive in the bushes and hide. But we just focused on, like, we, our friends knew we had candy available and we would only sell it before school or during break or during lunch. And we are so sly about it. I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm sure we weren't, but we totally thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, all the revenue, all the money that you made on the candy bar sales, what did you use it for? Do you remember? Buying more candy <laughs> to eat ourselves. I don't know, buying junk, hiding junk food for sleepovers and just being silly kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's not a bad spending. I my my <laughs> personal splurge was comic books. I was a, a oh, comic yeah. book nerd. So yeah, that was and and the comic book store and the um the candy shop were all kind of like right there by the school. Um, so I always said like, oh, I'm going, there was a public library there too. Oh, mom and dad, I got to go. You need to pick me up at the public library. I'm, you know, I need to do some studying and some research and stuff. So along the path to the public library, there were some stops along the way that I didn't necessarily need to share and be public about But So when you were starting, uh, the business or, or, or when the business was forced upon you, let's say by your husband, um, was there something, was there anything that scared you about doing it? And, And what were those fears and and how did you overcome them? Well, I think saying goodbye to a full-time income, (laughs) a stable salary, right? And and launching into something on your own is always a little bit scary. And we actually made the transition to leave full-time income in our family twice. Uh, We did it when I quit my job to start my business. And we also went through that when my husband quit his cushy fire department job with his pension and everything else to come work with me full-time. 
And we were going to lose all of that. So we navigated this on more than one occasion. And um, it was really nerve wracking, but you're able to get rid of some of that by planning in advance, right? So knowing that you're going to make that exit and saving some so you have some cushion. But we also practiced living on a smaller budget. So we said, hey, what is the lowest, the lowest amount of money we need to exist? Right. We like people call it your ramen budget. What's the lowest amount that you can earn and still continue to pay your bills? So we would practice. We're like, well, let's look at our budget. If we're spending twelve hundred dollars a month on groceries and eating out, could we dial it back to eight hundred a month? Could we dial it down to six? Could we dial it to five? We got to a point where we were feeding our entire family for a month on four hundred bucks. Wow. And we didn't stop eating out, but we got more strategic about our spending. And we practiced that for several months first and figured it out. And we're like, okay, this is the lowest that we can go and still pay all our bills and be fine. And that reduced the burden on what I knew I had to produce. And anything above that, we're like, we are doing great. (laughs) And so when you're getting started, anything you can do to reduce that burden and to reduce the stress and the pressure of having to make tons of sales immediately is a really good thing. Yeah. So what kind of ties into that fear, I think, is um, am I going to be able to find clients? Am am I going to be able to find? So how did you deal with that fear and how did you solve it for yourself? I was really lucky in the fact that I was working at a PR firm. And when I left that PR firm, they're like, but we still need you. So I got to keep working with them and they became my first client. But also in the PR, the advertising, the marketing industry at the time, back in 2005, most people didn't have in-house creatives. Only the big guns had in-house. So I called every person I knew. And I'm like, I'm going into business for myself and I need clients. You work somewhere that hires freelancers. How do I get on that list? Can you get me on that list? Can you introduce me to the person on that list? Like I called every single person I know. I'm like, let me take you to coffee. Let me take you to lunch. Let me tell you what I'm doing. I need to get on that list of people that hire freelancers. Do you have any business? Do you know anybody that has business? Like you can't, if you're going to put your stake in the sand and say, I'm going to do this, you can't be afraid to tell people what you're doing and ask for business. Right, right, yeah. And that, that I think, is a, a challenge a lot of time for entrepreneurs that, um, you know, might be introverted or, or, or might be embarrassed, um, think they're not ready. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're starting something, then you're already ready, right? Yeah, and I think you can't, there's no shame in how you make it work for you. Like some people think, oh, I quit my job and I have to do it 100% and all me. And if I work a little side job on the side, then I'm not really doing it or that's something to be ashamed of. And it's like, that is something to be proud of. You're doing whatever it takes to make your dreams come true. And the path is different for every person. So while I was navigating that transition and figuring out how do I replace my full-time salary, I had a neighbor that was like, oh, well, my husband runs a business and he needs help with this area. It's not really what you're doing, but it might help bridge the gap while you're trying to find clients. And I'm like, yes. So (laughs) for like three months, I did insurance paperwork for somebody, for like a neighbor to just fill that gap while I was hustling and getting new contracts. 
And then yeah. once I had some clients in to hit my minimum, I'm like, okay, thanks. That was awesome. Now I'm done. Right. Right. Um, so what's the other part then that's interesting. And, and, and by the way, we've had so many people, um, on the, uh, on the podcast that their main hustle uh, knows about the fact that they're doing a side hustle and they appreciate the fact, right? It, it makes them better employees because they get this bigger breadth of experience and knowledge more than they could get by just having the, the main job. But you're doing something interesting now, whereas your small business has become a side hustle, which is, which is the reverse. So tell us about what's going on. I ran a services agency. Uh, I started my agency in 2005. So I ran full services until about 2017. In 2017, I launched my first course. And now I have several. But so my business is part client services and part courses. And I teach people how to run client services businesses. And I still do client services because I kind of believe you should still do the thing that you're teaching. I'm just saying. But over time, right, if you had asked me even a few months ago, would you ever go work for somebody? My answer would be no. I fielded a lot of job requests over the last few years and every single one I've turned down. I'm like, I think I'm unemployable. Like, I think at this point, my business makes so much money. I don't think you can afford me. And I take so much time off. I don't think you can give me that kind of vacation. <laughs> um, but I got an offer at the end of 2022 from my best friend. And I had the opportunity to and not give up my business to go work somewhere else not give up my courses to go work somewhere else, to learn something new and be challenged and to work with my best friend. And it was an offer that I could not say no to. So I, the unemployable Jennifer who said I would never ever go work for somebody else is now CMO of a company called Motivations AI. And my business which now was my full-time thing, is now my side hustle. So all of the <laughs> systems I built to run my business and right. all of the systems I teach in my courses are now going to be put to the test even more to see, can I continue to run this business with me taking an even bigger step back? Because part of taking a job is the job becomes your primary and your right. side hustle is the side hustle. So I've been telling people for years, I built these systems in my business to save me time and to be able to take more vacation and not work as much and to run the business without me. And now we're going to push those systems to the extreme and see how they hold up. But I'm really excited about the shift and excited to have an opportunity to work with an amazing team of talented people and truly make my business a side hustle and not have to give up something that I love. Yeah. So what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people are are working jobs and they want to start up side hustles and their current employer may or may not be uh, understanding of that fact. Now, you're going into a job saying like, look, I already I already have this thing and I'm going to keep it running. Yep. How was that conversation and and was it like just assume that that was going to be the case from the get-go or did you have to have a discussion about the fact that you're going to keep running the side hustle on the side. Uh, I think I'm lucky in the fact that it's my friend hiring me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the same friend that pushed me into doing courses when I resisted <laughs> doing courses. <laughs> so, um, 
of any person other than myself or my husband, uh, he probably knows the absolute most about the inner workings of my business itself and how much I love my courses and the people in them and helping coach business owners to make more money and be more profitable and have sustainable results over time. So I think, and he's, he's watched me turn down all of these jobs that said, we want you to come work with us, but you have to shut down your whole business and all your courses. And I'm like, "Hmm, no. So (laughs) I think, I think he knew if I was ever going to say yes. Yeah. I had to be able to still do it as a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So you've been doing this now for quite some time and now uh, you know, I, I think like you, I am also unemployable, uh, but, but maybe you're giving me hope that, that maybe someday somebody might want to employ me, but through all of this, you know, like when you started, you had, uh, you know, a young two-year-old and then almost, uh, having a kid there and then had the kid. Um, how did you balance the demands of what you were doing and the stress of, of all of that giving birth and, and the, those early days, you and I both well know that the early days of having kids is, is there's a lot there um, and a lot of demands. How did you balance all of those things for yourself? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do a good job. The way that I did it is not anything you should ever model. <laughs> I, got, I got really lucky in that at the time, my husband worked in the fire department and he was a, a captain in the fire department. So he worked a shift a 48-hour shift, and then was home for four days straight. So when he was home for those four days, I worked around the clock those four days from from maybe, I mean, I pulled probably two all-nighters a week and then worked sometimes 16-hour days, sometimes longer. And it was very challenging and I was crabby and cranky (laughs) and sleep deprived. I have memory loss from that time. I did permanent damage to my vision, right? It's terrible. But here's the thing. At the time, I loved it. I was eating up every minute of it. I'm like, I started my own business. I'm doing my own thing. I make my own schedule, a terrible schedule, but I am in control, right? We tell ourselves all these things. And I loved my clients and I loved the work I was doing and I was proud of the work that I was doing. And in the moment, I never thought that it was a bad way to live life. I was home with both my kids. I mean, Carter spent probably the entire first two years of his life, um, laying on the boppy in my lap while I worked <laughs> over him like this all day long, right? And all night long, because he was a terrible sleeper. So I would just get up and work all night because he he only slept if I held him. And he only slept 45 minutes at a time. So I just worked all day and all night. And I ate up every second of it. It wasn't until I learned how to run my business better and how to accurately price my services. And I learned that I kind of need to have a life outside my business that I realized how damaging that hustle was. And so it's one of the things I advocate for really, really heavily in my programs and coaching and things now is that you can't be all in on one thing without sacrificing the other. So I kind of look at your business and life as a teeter-totter, right? Your life is on one end and your business is on the other. If it's a mean guy gets on there and sticks you up in the air for too long and you're shaking your legs and you can't get down, it's terrible. And if it's flat, it's boring. 
So as long as life and business ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes family has to come first. Sometimes business has to come first. But as long as there's always that give and take, things seem to go pretty good for us. Yeah. So thinking back now, um, and, and you've got kind of this good run of time where you've started this and running it now, now, yeah. you know, taking the job, what are the things or one or a couple of things that looking back now, you would have done differently knowing what you know now? Oh, oh, I would have tracked my time immediately so I could understand just how long work actually takes. Because at first I was only billing for the time to do the work and not all the time to manage the projects and the clients. So uh -huh. I would track my time earlier. I would build systems in earlier. So I wasn't flying by the seat of my pants and relying on memory and crossing my fingers I didn't forget something. Yeah. I would hire help earlier because there's no reward for trying to do everything yourself. There's just a ceiling. Like right. you can only go so far by yourself. And yeah. I would build in recurring revenue sooner. Yeah. So that that was your shift into the courses. That was kind of the idea of getting recurring revenue, right? You're building it once and making money on it for a long time. Yes, that was part of it. Also, like the majority of my work, design work, especially with websites, I was like, give me the client. We'll build the website. We're done. Move on. Next client. And I never sold maintenance plans, care plans, support plans, whatever it was. It. I loved to like check it off my to-do list and move on. And then I was like, I had to go back and say, dang it. That was not a good decision. <laughs> yeah. I lost out on so much potential recurring revenue that way. So I had to go then back and add it to my services business. And courses were definitely a way to build some more stability into the business because people can sign up for a monthly membership or there's an annual or different courses or different ways. But it added a layer of stability than dependable revenue that makes planning and forecasting and hiring and growth reinvestment in your business so much easier. Yeah. Um, what was it that made you realize that maintenance plans and all of that was something that where you were leaving a lot of money on the table? What, what made that click for you? In 2013, we started traveling really, really heavily with our kids. And I realized if I'm not working, I'm not making money. My whole business model tied to one and done projects meant if I wasn't doing the work, I wasn't getting paid. Mm. So every time I took vacation, I would have a gap in revenue. Right. I'm like, this is not a business. This is a <laughs> job. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes so sense. I'm like, I've, if I want to run a true business and I want to have stability, and get off that revenue roller coaster, right? Then recurring revenue is is the answer for that. Yeah. Hey, that's a really interesting insight because a lot of times people think of entrepreneurship as as risky and um, you know, hard to predict because, you know, when you go to a job, you know, like once a month or every two weeks, this paycheck comes in, it's you you just showed up every day and like like clockwork, the money just gets deposited in the bank account. But what you're kind of alluding to here is that it is possible to be an entrepreneur and basically build the same kind of system. 100%. You just got to be smart about it. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, I like that. I, I, I kind of like that, uh, that kind of way of looking at it um, and, and how it really kind of de-risks being an entrepreneur and being a founder, because that's well, probably the biggest thing we hear. Well, let's face it. If you figure out, I need to make, let's say it's, let's, let's say it's just, I need to make $5,000 a month, right? That's what I need to support my family, my pay all my bills, right? Whatever it is. If everything relies on you making a sale, you going out and selling, the pressure is high and the risk is high. But let's say you've got $2,500 in recurring revenue. You just cut the pressure of you having to make sales in half. Yeah. And that makes things so much better, right? Less stress, more joy, less pressure. Right. And then you are happier with your business. And the other thing I think that also fixes is a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you, you start feeling that desperation because you need to get that deal in. So then you're willing to start cutting your rates and and saying yes to things you shouldn't say yes to. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And then people, honestly, people can sense the desperation and people often don't want to work with people that are desperate. Because then you start worrying about like, what is wrong in this situation? And are you actually going to be able to deliver what I need you to deliver? Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. Okay, uh, one more question for you. So thinking about like everything that you've done now, how do you think about working in things that are important in life, like exercise and, and time with friends and all of that stuff? So how do you think about that? Is it strict boundaries or is it like, hey, if I can get to it, like how do you think about those things? Schedule it ruthlessly like you schedule your business. That is the secret. We are so focused as business owners on project managing the crap out of everything in our business. (laughs) And we got our calendars all dialed in. Why don't we do this for our personal lives? Yeah. Right? When you do that for your personal life, guess what? You do more fun things. When you put the fun things on the calendar, the fun things actually happen. (laughs) And when you leave it up to chance, that's how you end up sitting on the couch saying, oh, I thought we were going to go to this thing tonight, but it's already six and I'm cozy and under my blanket and let's just not do it. So one of the things I figured out, especially when I was starting to do my side hustle with courses, was if I saved the work on my own business and my own goals for the end of the day, it was really easy for me to say, I don't have time for that. I haven't finished this client thing yet. Or I'm so tired. Today's been really hard. I'll do it next week. I'll do it this weekend. I'll do it next month and put it off and put it off and put it off. Because there's always going to be fires and unexpected things that happen during the day. But when I started putting me first and doing my goals first, I made progress on my business and my goals every day, no matter what my day of client work looked like. So instead of saving my work for the end of the day, I started getting up an hour earlier. And I would dedicate that hour to working on moving my stuff forward. So now, right, I get up, I work out, 
I work on my business while I have a shake and I stop sweating. I work on my business and I get an hour or hour and a half or so on my own stuff every day. And then I take a shower and get my mind in the headspace of client work and I come back to work and then I'm focused on client work every day. And I feel great about it because I know I've already moved my goals forward. Because what used to happen when I was doing it at the end of the day and I never would get to it because you're always the person on the back burner. And I would almost kind of resent client work. And I remember telling my husband, I spend every day building everybody else's dreams. And all I want is some time to build my own. Yeah. So putting my own stuff first made a huge difference. And that's what I'm talking about when I say schedule fun, put it on your calendar, block out that concert you want to go to, block out the little festival that you want to go to, block out fun things with your kids. And if you find it hard to not work or you're always pulled in, leave the house. <laughs> when I was slowly making my transition from working all the time to like not working all the time, uh, it was really hard for me because I worked at home to leave work behind. So my husband's like, we're instituting a rule. We are never going to be home on a Saturday. And for two years, we were never home on a Saturday. We would leave the house because I can't work if I'm not near my office and I don't have right. a computer. So we would go do fun things. And sometimes it was a hike or a walk or a picnic or whatever, but we would never be home on a Saturday. And so we would plan and book every Saturday. And soon our family and friends were like, the Bournes are never available on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually that that went to like getting now we look on Facebook, we find when are our local bands playing? When are the things that we like? Put that local band playing at the bar by your house on the calendar. Schedule it so yeah. you don't miss it. And then That's you great. have as much dedication to fun as you have to work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last question for you. I think I said the last one was the last question, but I have actually one last question for you. <laughs> Uh, what would you tell somebody that's thinking of taking the leap and turning their side hustle into a, a, a full-time business or now maybe the alternate too, uh, a, a full-time business into a side hustle? What would you tell them? Don't let people talk you out of it because they get nervous and scared for you and they'll try. Two, there are going to be hard days, but you will get through it. Everybody has hard days, no matter what they say publicly, right? <laughs> And three, save, 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 save before. So you have a little bit of cushion. And when you get paid, when you get paid from your project, whatever you're selling, some of it's going to pay your bills. Some of it's going to pay you. It's going to pay your salary and your earnings. Some of it needs to stay in your business for reinvestment so you can grow. But some of it needs to go into savings to build up that emergency fund. So you have that as a cushion. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Jennifer, where can our listeners find and connect with you? Jenniferborn.com. That is the easiest place. You can find all my socials and everything else. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business, through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay 
that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparek.com.